Thank you. Regarding my shirt, I blame my sons entirely. They decided they wanted to wear their Hawaiian shirts this morning and said, Hey, Dad, wear your Hawaiian shirt with us. I'm like, okay, I don't wear it that much. It's actually fairly comfortable. Sure. Oh, wait, I'm preaching. Thank you. <laughs> Since my wife's out of town, she gets back this evening, I decided to ask my oldest daughter what she thought of my outfit. She said, it looks great, Dad. You look just like John Failer. <laughs> so I just want to reassure you, I'm not John's evil twin, and I haven't stolen your clothes. So this is not John Failer's sermon. <clears throat> uh, several times this week, uh, several of you have sent me texts or mentioned to me that you're praying for me, and I appreciate that. I need it uh, every time, as I'm sure the other preachers will tell you, every time there's a sermon brewing inside of you, you enjoy all the prayer that you can get. So thank you for that. We don't always know the battles that, he, that our fellow Christians are engaged in. And it's always nice to know that with prayer, uh, there's a buddy that has your back. It makes a big difference. So when I get tired, I like to eat. And when I get tired in the summer, I like to go for fruit. Anybody else like fruit? I've had the wonderful experience of several really good kinds of fruit this summer. Summer's a good time for fruit, right? There's a lot of good fruit in the stores. Uh, we've been blessed to have ice-cold watermelon outside, uh, dried fruit on mountain hikes, hand-picked blackberries with sugar and cream, and homemade peach ice cream as the sun sets at 9.15 p.m. Am I making you drool? Fruit is really good stuff. I'm so glad that God made it. And after a hot, sweaty day's work outside, fighting wasps, cutting weeds, hauling off branches or rocks, and worrying about sunburn and dehydration, sure feels good to bite into something cold and sweet. My favorite way to eat watermelon involves my whole face and a large towel outdoors. We were made for battle in this world, but it can sure wear us out. These times are rather wearisome, kind of like working outside in the heat. You have to make sure that you drink extra living water. But our labor in the fields is sure to be rewarded, and not just by the paymaster. In 2 Timothy 2.6, Paul said that the hardworking farmer should be the first not to be paid, but the first to partake of the fruit. The spiritual fruit itself is part of our reward, just as physical fruit is a reward for the worker in the field. But it does have a price. Here are some of the many verses from the Bible about seeds and fruit. Genesis 1.28, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. In Genesis 1 and 2, whenever something is created and designed to reproduce, it's designed to reproduce after its kind. Jesus said this, that by this my Father is glorified, 
that you may bear much fruit. That's in John 15.8. In John 15.16, he goes on to say, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. In Isaiah 55.11, God says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Back to John 15 again, verse 2. He says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Ugh that it may bear more fruit. Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 17, Jesus warns us to beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, he says, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Then there's the parable that he tells us in Matthew chapter 13, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. When the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, the tares also appeared. The servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. Servant said to him, Do you want us to go then and gather them up? But he said, No. Lest while you gather up the tares, you uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. That's a hard thing sometimes, isn't it? And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. We grow with the tares sometimes, don't we? God designed fruit to teach us some things. Clearly, fruit is meant as a metaphor to be useful for spiritual wisdom. So here are some of the principles that I have gathered of seeds and fruit. Anybody here a gardener? We have any gardeners in the house? Okay. Anybody here have a lawn to take care of? Ever battled weeds? The interminable zombie grass, Oklahoma, Bermuda, that just doesn't go away. First of all, you get what you plant. You can't plant berry seeds and expect to get apples. It doesn't work that way. God's not random. Secondly, you only harvest after you plant, and usually a good bit after you plant. One of my favorite children's books is the series called Frog and Toad. Maybe you're familiar with them, written back in the 70s by Arnold Lobel. It's about a frog and a toad who are best friends and they have misadventures together. And in one of them, Toad decides to plant a garden. And Frog says, it's a lot of work, Toad, to plant a garden. Toad says, okay. And he decides to do it anyway. And in planting this garden, (laughs) he doesn't understand about the waiting that's involved when you plant something. 
he goes running out there every day and he's singing to his plants and he's playing an instrument for them and he's watering them and he's fertilizing and pulling out weeds and battling off the pests and after a week there's nothing and he's just so discouraged a whole week So he falls asleep because he's so exhausted out there. And when he wakes up, frogs are saying, Toad, Toad, look, there's green things coming. Toad goes, you were right, frog. Having a garden is exhausting. Sometimes we get that way about spiritual things, don't we? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Is it growing? Come on! It takes a little while after you plant something before you get to see the harvest. The third thing I see is that you have to sacrifice what you plant. You can't eat the seed and plant the seed. You have to do one or the other. You can't keep the seed if you want to grow things from the seed. You've got to give it up. Unless a seed dies, it produces no fruit, right? So you have to sacrifice what you plant. And then the growth comes by God's power alone. We can water and fertilize and use good soil and plant good seed, and that doesn't guarantee anything. Because we've tried that, haven't we? All of you who have ever planted anything and done it seriously know that you can't make every seed grow. You just can't. God can, but we don't have that power. That's not up to us. The next thing is that you usually end up getting a lot more than you plant if you have good soil ready to nourish what you plant. If you prep the soil and you plant some seeds, you get stuff. Sometimes you can't stop it. (laughs) Have you ever tried to give away zucchini? Anybody? (laughs) Please! I'm having zucchini for breakfast! Take it! You get more than you plant. Also, you have to continually guard and support what you plant against the forces that would destroy it. There are bugs. There are furry woodland creatures that look cute from a distance, but when they start eating your tomatoes, you get out the gun, right? There's the Oklahoma weather, which has a hard time making up its mind what season it's in some weeks. So there's those forces that you have to work against. The seeds can be good or bad. They both grow bigger, and they make more seeds like themselves. And because of this, it's possible to fill a large space with just one kind of seed because the seeds of one plant create so many more of the same plant. The blackberries we picked this summer were found among poison ivy, and they come with their own thorns. They're found in the byways off the beaten path, and the weather is pretty hot when you go out for picking. What time do we go out? Usually like 8 in the morning. It was still hot and humid then. Lows of 80 in the evening. The watermelons that we salivate for at picnics have to be carefully rotated and defended from insects, mammals, and reptiles. And, of course, you have to handle them carefully, or they pop off the vine, don't they? The dried fruit that's good for traveling must be dried carefully, sweetened lightly, and mixed correctly to be useful on a hike. The peaches for the homemade ice cream come from trees that have been watered and sprayed and warmed and carefully bred and grown healthy for years before a crop can be harvested. 
Make no mistake, the value of fruit increases directly with the difficulty and endurance required to cultivate it. In addition, the amount of fruit increases only from careful planning, from a thorough and diligent defense, and from God's blessing of the right weather at the right time. And we can all, cannot always tell whether a plant is fruit to be protected or weeds to be destroyed until after the fruit shows. Nearly every year I end up destroying something my wife has planted. It's not intentional, I promise you, but it looks like something else or I get too close with the weed eater and, oh, she's not going to be happy about that. So fruit doesn't come easily or accidentally. And that makes me tired. Anybody else tired? I'm not talking about sleepy or I need a coffee tired. I'm talking about the empty tired, the worn, bone tired without relief in sight tired. I've noticed recently that as a group we seem to have heavier burdens or more of them or less resilience than usual or something and I'm, I don't quite know exactly why. I sense that the restrictions of COVID life have something to do with it. The uncertainty, the fluidity of circumstances, the isolation, lack of physical affection, all of this takes a toll. I don't think any of us counted on the effects of quarantine going as deep as they have. A fellow coach and former U.S. Marine friend of mine used to say, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Hopelessness is a similar foe. Fear and failure cripple our determination in similar ways. Just as insects, disease, weather, and weeds can slowly wipe out a crop, the spiritual elements can wear down the people of God and reduce the effectiveness of our fruit. I'm going to read you the lyrics of Toby McKeon, known as Toby Mac, from his song, The Elements. This world is up in my grill. This world is shooting to kill. This world always got to be stealing my heart. This world always trying to rip my family apart. I fight the elements. This ain't our home. Nope, not even close. They're camouflaged and we're fighting some ghosts. You start to doubt everything that you know. I feel the heat and it's starting to show. They try to break us, break us, make us want to give in. Lay down our arms, Novocanus again. Lay down a fight, I could never relent, and I will take it all the way to the end. I fight the elements. I've got spirit, I've got faith, I might bend, but I don't break. I fight the elements, and I'm going to go down swinging if I go down. It's fairly accurate in its urban slang way, isn't it? I find it kind of hard to feel up to that challenge. The relentless pounding of forces of wickedness in high places. It's wrestling, and it's an effort. Maybe you're discouraged or worn out. Maybe you're just not up to the life that you're facing. Maybe your field seems so large and so full of weeds and rocks that you just want to quit. Now, the Word has many passages to encourage us not to grow weary in well-doing. You can go to BibleGateway.com and look up the words tired or weary or burdened and get a bunch of them. And I I would encourage you to do that. And just as the song that we sang today said, strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord, there's a lot of encouragement to be had for the burdens we carry. 
But I want to go deeper this morning. Let's turn the lens inside out. What if we looked at ourselves not just as laborers for fruit, but as the fruit itself? Every life is connected to every other life. Time and physics make it look like we're all separate, but we are more connected than we know. We found this out during, during quarantine, haven't we? Our lives are affected by the work of other lives, from the planting, the tending, the harvesting of other people. We are someone else's fruit. How do you feel about being fruity? About having a skin, a rind, or a peel? About having seeds, a core, a pit, and a stem? I'm not sure it's got uh, some pineapple here and some coconuts, I think, somewhere. Maybe you're afraid that you'll have spots. Maybe you don't think you're juicy enough or big enough to be picked or have skin the right color. Where have I heard about skin color recently? Maybe you think you're rotten or expired or too green or too seedy. Maybe you feel too tired to grow. Maybe your soil has rocks or weeds or thorns. Maybe it's easy to criticize the fruit on the next branch or the next tree or the next field because it looks so bad or so different from where we are. Remember, whose fruit you are. And remember whose fruit we all are, ultimately. Remember who is the sower. God's fruit is always correct and sufficient for the ground in which he plants it because he makes it so. God has designed you to produce fruit, and that fruit is destined to remain no matter what comes against you. Because our enemy, our flesh, and our world will come against us. Dangers abound for plants, even in well-cultivated fields. Sometimes those are especially targeted by woodland creatures. And Satan would love to ruin us and our fruit. Every joy is deeply opposed, as John Eldridge reminds us. Because God knows this, he fights for us. Psalms 31, 61... 91 and 121 offer the theme of protection by a powerful God, of deliverance, rescue, and great care. God takes great care with our lives, every aspect of them. The hairs on our head matter. How much more must our souls? Now, while God defends us, we are given some responsibility to defend the fruit in our charge and to take good care of ourselves. If you read in Psalm 1, I think it applies to our consumption of the world. It's our fertilizer, our sunlight and water, what we take in. We're admonished to feed on God's word and not to let the toxic, damaging destructiveness of wickedness and scorn come in. When we choose the right fertilizer, we flourish, and so does our fruit. Another part of God's secret to good fruit 
is the good soil in which he plants us. Now, dirt is just fine pieces of minerals, crushed rock. That's why it's so powdery. Soil is different. Anyone know the difference? It's dirt plus what? Thank you, Beth. Humus, not hummus. Humus. What's humus? Well, that's all the yucky stuff, the dead and decaying things, rotting leaves, dead insects and worms, all that yucky stuff that you really don't want to think about your plants feeding on while you eat that lovely tomato. That's humus. It's the yuck. And when you break up the dead, yucky stuff, it's food for seeds and plants. Isn't that just like the maker? God allows the yuck in your life just so he can make you an amazing fruit. That yuck has a purpose. Now, you can also get good food for seeds from fertilizer, from other plants, from minerals, water, and sunlight, which are not so yucky. The testimony of my life is as the fruit of multiple generations of Christians. I have no memory of a lifestyle apart from God, out of the church, apart from the Christian community, without a Bible, without prayers. There were a lot of people for all my life tending to me as a seed. I've had struggles and trials and I've made bad decisions, but I'm blessed to have all around me the habits of righteous behavior from childhood, the ingrained perspective of absolute truth and eternal consequences, the expectations of persecution and reward, temptation and victory, death and resurrection. This worldview, this training, this soil is hard to find in the wild. It has to be done on purpose. I am the fruit of many people's labors and prayers, and my children are further fruit. A picture of hope for all those in my past who were pioneers, departing from family in some cases, departing from a culture in most cases, departing from what they knew and were familiar with. And for all that has been sacrificed, a reward does come. The testimony of my ancestors, my grandparents, my parents, my wife's parents is us and our children and their children. We are fruit. We are part of God's reward to those who have gone before us. We will see fruit in our children and young people before we are all able to rejoice together at the ultimate harvest. The good old days, I think, are named by adults wistfully remembering the carefree, irresponsible days of childhood. And those memories never seem more grand than when they're summer memories. Let us not ignore what is sprouting in the ground in front of us right now. Fruit's only worth harvesting when the seeds are saved, planted carefully in soil, prepared, guarded ceaselessly from enemies and weather, and harvested at the proper time. The days of childhood are not the only good days. There is the joy of watching seeds grow, of seeing accomplishments, of awakening, 
There's the satisfaction of harvest after the endurance and diligence of the days in between. We are all part of something bigger than us. We each take a turn being fruit from someone else's labor, and we take a turn in the labor of planting seeds so that others may be our fruit. We plant, we water, and God gives the increase. We earn wages and we rejoice together about the fruit in which we get to play a part. Others began the labor, and we must enter in and join the labor, teach others how to take their turn in that labor. Let not the young dismiss the wisdom and carefulness of the old, and let not the old despise the trust and enthusiasm of the young. We need each other. Let the hearts of the fathers be turned to the children. Hearts of the children be turned to the fathers. We are one body, one crop, all connected to the one seed, Jesus, the first fruits, the firstborn from the dead. Somebody say amen. Let us be grateful for the laborers who worked in our lives. For the senders, the prayers, the teachers, the trainers, the parents, the mentors, the friends. Let us include in our prayers a request for God to use us in that same way. To plant, to tend, to harvest in our fields. Let us pass on what we have learned and what God has given us. The seeds need to know what to expect as they grow. They need defending in prayer and word and deed. They need to learn how to be planters and tenders and harvesters, for one day they will be the laborers in these fields, teaching others to plant as they were taught. And God will make fruit for them, as he made them fruit for us, as we are fruit for our planters. Daniel, cue up the video. I'm going to show you a video uh, with a song written by Andrew Peterson that is taken almost word for word from Isaiah chapter 55, where God speaks of seeds and fruits called the Sower's Song. So I came at the bright. 
It will not return void. Mm. If you have some time, look up a, uh, some of the videos that go with this. Nearly all of them show amazing footage of either storms or plants growing or seeds sprouting or something along those lines. It, it really goes with the song. You can almost hear the storm building from a little pitter-patter of rain at the beginning and then the lightning and the thunder like we had last week and then the little pitter-patter at the end. The sower leads us. And it will not return void. In spite of our enemy, 
in spite of our world, even in spite of our own mistakes. Let's encourage each other with reminders of the satisfaction of a job well done, of fruit harvested when ripe, of the great relief of something cold and sweet after labor in the heat of the day. Let us do the works of God while it is day. For that great day is coming when we will share fruit with those who began the labor and with those who took up the labor after us. We will rejoice together on that day. I look forward to seeing all your faces dripping with fruit juice at the Great Harvest Festival.